So if you want to, you can open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, if you've been following along in our reading guide, we're going to jump around a little bit and maybe mess you up a little bit, but I uh, encourage you to pick up a reading guide, follow along with us. We're, we're going to pick up a bunch next week, but, but really today I just want to do maybe four verses. And we're going to begin in verse 7, and, and uh, um, yeah, we'll just start there. Let's start in verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. We're just going to walk verse 7 through 11. 1 Peter begins by saying, or Peter begins by saying, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Now, I need to start because this is a, uh, I need to start at the beginning because that's really where Peter begins. He begins at the end with, the end of the world is coming soon. I don't know if you felt that. (laughs) When the last time you began or included that in a letter. Oh, by the way. It made me think of uh, uh, recently. I went to the I, I went to the movies, and uh, I guess it's maybe it's always been this way. But you go to the movies, you buy your ticket, and you sit in there. And then, what do you see for the first twenty minutes before the movie ever starts? Yeah, the, you see, yeah, the previews or the coming attractions. And have you ever watched these previews and, and just sat there and thought for a moment, like, there's no way they're going to make that movie. That's not coming out. No, of course not. Like, you know that it's coming. And, and that's a little bit of what Peter wants to remind his, his readers, his listeners. He reminds them that, and, and it's all through the New Testament, and I don't want to deny it or ignore it. I think we need to address it, that, that um, judgment is coming. Uh, I, I would tell you that uh, I don't know when, and I don't know how, and I don't know where, and even Scripture says, you guess what, you don't get to know. But there will come a moment when God sets things right. And it's partly because God is righteous. He is right. I know there's, uh, there's lots of talk about judges today. Maybe you've noticed. Um, I will tell you this, that none are righteous. I don't care who you pick. None of them will be right or make the right decisions all of the time. Only God is right. And not only is God right, God is love. And thankfully, thankfully so. Because there's not a one of us that can stand before God and and prove to him our goodness or our greatness. There's not one of us that can stand before God and and show what we have deserve we have done to deserve his favor. But God isn't just right, God is also love and grace. And that's why he sent his son Jesus. And while we are all guilty of sin, God is holding back judgment, scripture says waiting for more and more of us to come to him through his son, Jesus Christ. Do you believe me? I know the church loves to talk about this fiery judgment and use this language, but Isaiah says the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Second Timothy tells us that God wants all men to be saved. We talked a little bit last week about the work of preparedness, and I think that's what Peter is getting at. He says, with this future in mind, I want you to begin the work today. Let your future shape 
you're present. And so he begins at the end. The end of the world is coming soon. And then he gives us a to-do list. Uh, any guys in here? Okay. Um, hey, guys, uh, has your wife ever given you a to-do list? Oh, I'm the only one. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so today's sermon is going to speak a little bit toward, more towards men. Are, are you okay with that? Can I, can I be a little bit more edgy? And more, I just feel like sometimes men need a little, like, little something, di- a li- maybe a little bit different, maybe something you don't normally hear from the pulpit. So today's sermon is, it's for everybody, but I've got you guys in mind. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some statements in that are, that are kind, of, kind of maybe more for you. Peter is going to say, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, and what's about to come next is a to-do list. Anytime the Bible says, therefore, it's a billboard. It says, hey, wake up, pay attention. And he's going to say, in light of what's coming, here's what I want you to do. And what he says first is, therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Go ahead and show that next slide, Stephen. What he says is sober up. That's what he says. I know the New Living Translation says earnest and disciplined, but the, but the language really is uh, um, to, to sober up. It, it is, it's kind of safety-minded. It's kind of a watchfulness, but it's, it's unintoxicated. I, I know we don't use that word very often, but unintoxicated. Uh, ha, uh, almost like, a, have you ever driven at night? Have you driven long distances at night? So uh, when I was in college, we took a trip from Auburn University, the greatest school on the planet, uh, down to, uh, I know, man, just lost all of you again, uh, down to Florida for some, there was some college conference down there. And so uh, because we were young and virile college students, we left at like midnight and we're just going to drive and just get down there whenever and it didn't matter. And uh, we went through Montgomery and we turned south on 65 and there's a, there's a town in that area called Greenville. Do you guys, any of you know it? Yeah, nobody does. It's okay. Um, but about two in the morning in Greenville, Alabama, and I think it's probably still the same way, there are deer on the road everywhere. I, I mean, in the, in the median of the road, on the sides, crossing the road, every, I mean, I'm not just, I mean, maybe you've seen some deer. I I mean, at least a hundred deer on the road in the middle of the night in Greenville, Alabama. Maybe that's not so hard to believe. And Peter says, look, I want you to pray like you drive at night. I want you to pray with sober wakefulness, watchful intention. He says, when you pray, I want you to go at this seriously, almost maybe not driving at night, maybe how, how do you drive in a school zone? This is kind, the kind of attention he is saying. So he says, therefore, first up, sober up and pray. And then in verse eight, he, he continues, Then he says, most important of all, which is kind of an important statement, don't you think? Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers 
a multitude of sins. Here's what I would tell you guys. Go ahead and show that next slide, Stephen. Suck it up. Am I speaking to men? Like, I hope, I hope so. Um, specifically, he says, love covers a multitude of sins. All right, so can someone explain to me how that works? Like in that phrase, like love covers a multitude of sins. So is that, does that mean that if I love somebody else, then my sins are covered? Or if I love someone else, does that mean that their sins are covered? Can you kind of explain exactly how this works? Do, do any of you know exactly how love covers a multitude of sins? Okay, me either. But how many of you would argue that it works? Does anyone deny that love does cover a multitude of sins? That love has the power to cover a multitude of sins? Are, are we in agreement there? So suck it up. Right? How many of you are withholding love? How many of you are withholding forgiveness? How many of you are totally content with somebody else's sins just to sit right out there? That's not what he says. I think, I think love makes it right. Think about your relationships. Think about your friends or neighbors or people you know. And, and just, just hold on these words. Love makes it right. Love does the work. Love, love is willing to do the work of forgiveness, of, of, of being gracious. I love what John says, or, or Jesus says in John. He says, hey, if you forgive someone their sins, they're forgiven. But hey, also recognize if you withhold forgiveness, it is withheld. Like He says, you have this power. And, and, and I know we see Jesus as this awesome example of grace and forgiveness, but Jesus says, I give this same power to you. Maybe you just need to suck it up and love. Lean into love again. Lean in and offer forgiveness again. Sober up. Suck it up. Then the next one, verse 9. He says, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. This one's maybe a little bit softer. Go ahead, Stephen. Open up. I, I wonder who he means. Theologians love to spend some time chewing on this scripture. Okay, so... Show hospitality is what he's talking about. Cheerfully show hospitality. Cheerfully open up your home to those in need. So who does he mean? I mean, in this season of the world, like generally preachers or, or teachers are traveling around. So maybe who he means is you should cheerfully open up your home to the good Christian teachers and preachers that are out there, right? They're traveling around. They need a place to stay. That's who he means, what do you think? Hmm. When was the last time you shared your home with someone who needed a meal or a place to stay? 
When's the next time? You have it on your calendar already? Why is this, why is this open up? Why, why is it so important for that Peter would include it in this list of, hey, think about the end times are coming. Make sure that you open up. And, and I, think what, I think if we look at this kind of the other way around, like I think what he sees and what he knows of us and what he knew of them is, is, this, is true of us is that our tendency isn't to be open. Our tendency is to withdraw. I think um, our, our, our tendency is to build big, comfortable houses with really pretty fences. I think our tendency when things get tough with, in, in our relationships, have, have you ever done this? Things get tough in a relationship, and instead of like working it out, you just both just kind of go to their separate corners. Uh, let me ask you just this question. When has withdrawal in a relationship ever worked? And yet that's, that's a part of our tendency, I think. That's, that's a part of our nature. And, and, and I don't want to be, be step on anyone's toes, but, but if we aren't careful, our affluence can make withdrawal way worse. Can you see that? Like our affluence can make it so much easier for us to withdraw. It's easy to withdraw into a screen or into our own world or into a vacation or into something else. And, and I, I think this open up like, like thing on our to-do list is so important because we need deeper and more meaningful engagement with each other. I, I actually think that you were created for it. And, and Peter, I think, is pushing them out the door saying, climb over the fence, ring the doorbell, ask for a cup of sugar or a glass of wine, whatever it takes. I, I think he is challenging any boundary that exists between you and a relationship with someone else. Are you with me? What is the thing separating you from them? Whatever it is, they're not going to come. You be the one that goes. And let hospitality be the norm of a Christian life. Hospitality is the norm of a Christ-like life. So open up. So verse 10, halfway through 11, he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of, I didn't re remember this one. What's it say? Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Go ahead, Stephen. I think he says, live it up. You have a God-given gift for the purpose of serving others. Do you believe this? Like, uh, um, 
in our, uh, in our growth track, the fourth step of our growth track. It's all about, so we're, we're very interested in helping you understand your gifts and your talents and, and putting them into place. Like I, we, we actually think like you're kind of like in the pocket space where you feel the most alive and most who you are is when you are using the things at your disposal to, to advance God's purpose. That's what I think. That's what I think. Um, there's nothing worse than, than feeling like you have something to offer and no place to offer it, right? So the fourth step of our growth track is, hey, what, what is it about you that you can offer and how can we help plug that in? And we look at a bunch of different things. Uh, we look at your heart, which is where things that you're passionate about. We look at your abilities, which are things that you're good at. And we look at your, your personality, things that, that reflect who you are and, and even your experiences. Your, your experience, believe it or not, is, could be used as a gift to serve someone else. Do you believe that? Even your bad experiences, maybe especially. But my favorite one of all to talk about is, is spiritual gifts. You have your heart and abilities and personality experiences, but, but spiritual gifts are, are a little bit different. Um, spiritual gifts are, 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 are different from the rest because they are, they are God-given. Um, your spiritual gifts have nothing to do with your passion or your abilities or your personality or experience. Spiritual gifts are different. Are you with me? Um, the word in, in scripture is a familiar word to you. It's charisma. It's grace gift. And grace gifts are given by God for God's purpose. Um, I think, I think it's easy for us sometimes to gravitate to, well, things that we've experienced or things that we're good at or things that we're familiar with. But spiritual gifts are, is God using us in a different way? Have you, has God ever used you in a way that, that you never would have expected? Has that ever happened to you? Like, I, I think now we're in the realm of, of spiritual gifts. And it may not be the same gift that happens every time, but, but it's gifts as God sees fit, gifts as he needs. And if you look in Scripture time and time and time again, God is completely uninterested in, in your talents or your abilities. What he does instead is give the most talent, untalented, unable person exactly what they need to accomplish his purpose. Have you seen this? And he wants to do the same thing through you. And will if you let him. And here's the thing about spiritual gifts. When God uses you in this unexpected way, to accomplish his purpose, everyone will know, including you, that it wasn't you who accomplished this thing, but who? But God. Have you ever had that moment that someone came to you and said, man, that was so perfect, that was so great what you did, and you just, you stepped outside of yourself and said, you know, really, I felt like it was God working through me who did that. Our, our, our world right now is, is a little bit obsessed with like comic book heroes, 
Have you seen this? They're everywhere. How's Ant-Man a comic book hero? I don't know. Like, the, but that's the new Ant-Man. Um, I don't know. But we're obsessed with these comic book heroes because they have superpowers. And Peter says, so do you. So do you. You have the power of God pulsing through your veins. He wants to use you to serve his purpose. And, and his purpose always involves helping other people. I, I will guarantee you, you've never received a spiritual gift that serves only you. you. Maybe that's a good test of, is this a spiritual gift or not? Well, if it only serves you, my answer would be no. Because it's all about his purpose, God using you to accomplish his purpose. And then what I, I love what he says, he says, okay, so you've got superpowers, and what the, whatever it is, whether it's speaking or helping others, I, I, I want you to use those powers as if God himself were speaking through you. If, if helping people is, is your spiritual gift in that moment, then, then do it with all of the strength and energy that God provides. And that's a lot. Use these things to serve others Live it up. I think in this moment you will feel more alive and more fulfilled than you ever have in your whole life. Live it up. Finally, the second half of verse 11, wrapping things up. So what... What are we supposed to do with all of these instructions? Like, like what's the purpose? To, to what end? And Peter includes one giant, massive objective. In, in the last part of verse 11, he says, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Let me read it again then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. I've probably told you the story of glory, how I think about glory. And uh, so if this, is, if this is familiar to you, I apologize. Uh, but we're preachers. We repeat ourselves a lot. Uh, I've got this great friend, uh, Mike Cope, and uh, he was explaining to me the definition of glory. Like this is all about God's glory. Like Glory is, in his definition, something that is hidden that is being revealed. Are you with me? Some of you remember this story? So my friend found out and, and really discovered the truth of this definition when he went over to one of his friend's house. Went over to his friend's house. They went into the living room, and they could hear racket upstairs. And what was happening was the mom was giving their young son a bath, and all of a sudden, as they were just sitting, enjoying each other's company in the living room, they hear the thump, thump, thump of little feet. They hear the thump, thump, thump of little feet down the hall. They hear the thump, thump, thump of little feet down the steps. And around the corner comes this young son, completely naked, running full speed, streaking in front of them, right? They look at each other and together give the definition of glory. There he goes in all his something hidden that's being revealed. Are you with me? 
Peter says the, the purpose in all of this, like, like don't miss this, is to bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. He says there, there is no greater purpose than to reveal the truth of God to our world. There he is in all his glory. Steve, why don't you go and put that, that slide with, there it is, for you men out there. Today I remind you to sober up and pray. Suck it up. Do the work of love and forgive. Open up and welcome. Live it up and serve. And in all things, lift him up. In just a minute, I'm going to say a prayer and send you to a time of communion. Uh, we have the table set up around this space. This is, this is it's, it's part of our tradition, but it's more than that. It's a deeply meaningful space where we share in the, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. It, it's something we do on a regular basis because we think it's at the table of, of, of Jesus Christ. It's when we come near to him that he draws near to us. So in just a minute, I'll say a prayer and invite you to the tables. Um, maybe uh, you're in a place uh, where uh, you, you haven't been sucking it up or you've been more closed up. There's ways we can pray for you. We, we would love the opportunity to do that. Maybe even today you have a desire to get baptized, to give yourself to Jesus completely. We have, we have everything you need, and nothing would lift him up more than giving your life to him completely. So if there's ways we can pray for you or serve you, after I say this prayer, I'll just move to the back. Otherwise, I invite you to enter into this time of communion incredibly thoughtful and, and meditative and consider all that Jesus has done for us because that day is coming. You guys remember? It is coming, but through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it's not a day for us to fear, but a day for us to look forward to. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for its power and, and for its, its depth. God, I pray that it would, it would pierce us in all the right places, that it would move through us and, and shape us. But Father God, none, none more than the recognition that you loved us so much that you gave your one and only son to die for us, that we can be forgiven now here, even in this moment, and live completely and wholly and fully for you. Father God, bless us as we enter into this time of communion. Move hearts that need, need to be moved. We love you, and in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, amen. I invite you to stand and enjoy communion together.